Father, I come to you today begging you to do just something today great during this hour. I pray that you'd help us understand the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to understand what you would have for us. And now, Father, I beg you today to just bless each person that is listening or who will listen to this to this recording or this live stream, those that are listening now live and those who will listen later, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you just give them a special blessing for watching or listening. Father, whether it be by Facebook or by podcast or by CD, Father, I just pray you bless them. And now, Father, I pray that you would touch our country this morning great need of our country for healing and for understanding and for people to work together and take care of the problems that our country has. And Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would just calm hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit would just heal the wounds. And Father, I just pray that you do a mighty work here and help us all to do the right thing. Give us understanding and give us respect and patience and love for each other. And now, Father, I pray that you would just do a work Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would heal those that are sick today. Father, this COVID situation, I pray you take it out of our country. I pray you give us wisdom for dealing with it. Father, I pray that the Spirit of God would just bless now. Those that have other diseases, I pray you'd heal them. Father, I pray you give us somebody with a cure for these diseases. Father, I pray that you would just do a work. Father, bring revival to our church and our city and our country. I beg you to do that. Change us, Lord. Touch us. And now, Father, also, bless the nation of Israel today. Lord, I pray that you just meet the needs of our church, meet the needs of our church family, those that have job situations going on, those that are in transition, things happening. I pray you bless them. Father, I just pray that you'd work, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And this morning, God bless you. We have some music for you this morning. Brother West is going to come and sing, and oh, he's got a great song, a great song to sing for you today. Brother West. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storms howl above me and there's no hiding place mid the crash of the thunder precious Lord hear my cry Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky hold me fast let me stand in the hollow of thy hand keep me safe 
Till the storm passes by Many times Satan tells me There's no need to try There's no end to your sorrow There's no hope by and by But I know Thou art with me And tomorrow I will rise Where the storms never darken the skies Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever from the sky Hold me fast Let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Keep me safe the storm passes by. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Brother West, and appreciate that song. I told you it was a great song, did I not? And uh, God bless you this morning. Now, if you have your Bible, I've got mine with me this morning. Uh, you say, Brother Scott, that's obvious you're going to have your Bible because you're going to be preaching to us. You're right. And, uh, but I want you to take your Bible, if you have it, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible with you, maybe you have an iPad, let me encourage you to put a Bible app on it and look with us there. Or maybe if you have a smartphone, you can do that. And, uh, and uh, um, you can, you can uh, um, follow along on a smartphone or, or something else. Or if you, you're listening by way of podcasts, obviously if you're driving down the road, we don't want you to open a Bible. But... Um, but Ephesians 4, let me just say a word. People have been asking, and we did announce that next Sunday, if everything goes right, we are going to, uh, um, uh, we are going to, um, we are going to uh, uh, reopen next Sunday. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit different. Just so you know, we are going to have, instead of Sunday school, we're not going to have 10 o'clock Sunday school, we will have two morning services. We are going to have a 9.30 early service and an 11 o'clock regular service. At the 9.30 service, there will not be any of the live stream or the podcast going on. But at the 11 o'clock service, there will be a camera set up. We'll have the live uh, the podcast set. And so uh, we'll be doing that. And so if you come to the 11 o'clock, please be prepared to see a camera up here and, uh, and be prepared for that. Also, next Sunday, we will ask that we're going to ask you to wear a mask to the service. We're not going to make it required right now. And, and, and as of this moment. Now, if I see something different from the city or from the governor or something like that or from um, some of the people we've been following their advice, we will make it mandatory. But as of right now, we're not. But we will also, if you do not have a mask, we will offer you one as you come in. We'll have them in paper bags. There'll be one-use masks. There'll be surgical masks. And we have bought them. They're already here. 
We will also have hand sanitizer here um, for you to use. We'll also ask you to maintain six foot distancing. We'll ask you not to sit behind somebody. We'll ask you not to shake hands. We'll ask you not to hug anybody. Uh, we wanna do this right. And so we wanna do some of the social distancing and things like that. We wanna make it safe. We're also gonna ask according to the governor's guidelines, those that are 65 or above, we're gonna ask you to stay home at the moment. Those with pre-existing conditions, please do. We do, and, and you say, why are you doing all this, Brother Scott? It comes down to one thing, safety. The safety of our church family. That overrides everything. People can get upset at our guidelines. They can say, I don't know if I agree with everything, but understand this, the safety of our church family. You know, our church family has already been affected by this. And so we are gonna to try to do everything we can to be safe. And so, but we will open next Sunday, two morning services. Um, and then we'll clean between the services. We'll do some touch cleaning and things like that. Uh, but uh, let me encourage you, if you want to come, please do. But understand, these are what we're going to ask of you. We're also going to ask if you're sick to stay home. We're going to ask if you have a cough to stay home, if you got a fever to stay home. You know, any of these things, we're going to ask you not to come in the building. Uh, and again, that is for the safety of others. So we'll do that. Okay. Now, this morning, Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bible, Ephesians 4, if you look there with us this morning, and uh, I, um, I want to preach on real Christian living this morning, real Christian living. And uh, you said, bro, Scott, is this going to be for everybody? Yes, this will be lost, saved, everybody. But I want you to look down at Ephesians chapter 4, look down at verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4, and look down at verse 17. Now, I'm going to be referring to the rest of the chapter, but I'm not going to read that right up front. But Ephesians chapter 4, look down in verse 17. Notice what he says. Uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have learned, heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless this message and our understanding. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would give the message of God. I pray that you give me what I need to say. Lord, if there's something I do not need to say, help me to skip over it in my notes. Help me not to mention it. But Father, I just pray you give me exactly what you want me to say. I pray you give us all understanding of the scriptures. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would take this message and use it to touch hearts and lives for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, these verses that we just read, actually verses 17 through 32, is possibly one of the best portions of Scripture that deal with Christian living. Probably one of the best portions of, Christ, uh, of Scripture that deal with Christian living, what it really means to live as a Christian and how to live. Well, the passage deals with two things. Number one, the passage deals with the change that takes place in a person when they get saved. The change that takes place when they get saved. And the idea in the passage is when you get saved, there is a change. And then secondly, there should be a change after you get saved. And then, but he deals with also how you and I should live after we've been saved. Now, I know that is not popular today, is it not? People do not want to be told how they have to live. You hear people say, well, I'll live the way I want to live. I'll do this, I'll do that, or I don't care what others think. Well, you better. 
If you're a Christian, you better care what the Lord Jesus thinks, shouldn't you? After all, you're supposed to be a follower of His. After all, He's supposed to be the Lord and Master of your life, is He not? Yes! So you and I need to follow Him. But the point He makes in the passage, the point He makes that I want you to catch today is this. Are you hanging on? Here's the entire point in one line. The point is, you and I are to live the change that has been made. You and I are to live the change that has been made. Get that. We have been changed. There's, or excuse me, there's been a change. We have been changed. And now you and I are to live that change. We are to take that change and put it into our daily lives. We are to take that change and live according to the change that's been wrought in us. Now, the two thoughts here is this. Very simply, let me rehash them. Number one, there's been a change. When a person gets saved, God works a change in their life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. See, when a person gets saved, the Bible says, they have been born of God. They experience the new birth, and they are changed. First John, I mean, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 states, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. A person is born of God. They are born again. They are saved. They experience the new birth. And, and let me just add right here. If you want to be part of God's kingdom, if you want to inherit heaven one of these days, the only way you're going to do that is by being born again, my friend. John 3, 3 and John 3, 7, Jesus said, he must be born again. A man cannot inherit the kingdom of God except he be born again. Jesus made that very plain. You want to spend eternity in heaven? You want to be part of God's kingdom now and then later? You've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. Now, but again, when a person gets saved, there is a change. And then number two, the second thing, and here's the whole point again, we need to make a change. We need to make a change. Now, think about that for a little bit. Think about it. Now, I want you to notice what he said in verse 22. Look at verse 22. He said that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There is kind of our text for today, that you and I need to make a change. Now, I want you to look at the verse with me. Notice he said that you put off concerning the former conversation. Now, what's he talking about here? What does he mean that you put off the former conversation? Well, the idea of put off is this. It means to put away to put off or aside or away. It's kind of like if you've got old clothing, you take that and you get rid of it. You put it away, you take it off. Or if you got dirty clothing, you take it off and you put on fresh, clean clothing. It's kind of like this. And the idea in the text is more like this. Let's say you have somebody that's in prison and they wear the prison clothes and then they are let out of prison. You know what's going to happen? They're going to take off the prison garb and they're going to put on different clothing. Are they not? Yes. They're not going to wear the orange jumpsuit anymore or the whatever the blues or whatever they are. They're not going to wear that anymore. You know what they're going to do? They're going to put on new clothes to show that there has been a change. Well, the idea here is when you get saved, you're to put off the old life and you're to put on the new life. That's the idea. You're to put on the old way, put off the old way of living or get rid of it and put on the new way of living. But notice what he said. He uses the word conversation here. He said that you put off concerning the former conversation. Now, the idea of the word conversation just doesn't refer to speech, even though, let me just say here, um, some people that claim to be Christians need to clean their speech up. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, you can sit there at home and say amen or wherever you're at. You can say amen. Some people who claim to be Christians 
need to clean their speech up. I hear people that say, well, I'm saved, I'm a child of God, I'm this, and you know what? But their mouth says differently. Their mouth says differently. Hey, can I tell you something? You need to remember Simon Peter. You say, well, I haven't denied the Lord. Well, do you know how Simon Peter proved that he wasn't a follower of Christ? He cursed. Think about that. Think about Let that sink in a little bit. You know, and, and I'll be honest with you, if you're a child of God, you're saved, foul language shouldn't come out of your mouth. Wicked things shouldn't come out of your mouth. Dirty things shouldn't come out of your mouth. Folks, I'm just telling you, what it, it shouldn't come out. But the idea here, though, again, just doesn't refer to speech. The idea of the word conversation has the idea of behavior, how we live, our manner of life, our conduct. In other words, how do we con conduct ourselves on a daily basis? How we live on a daily basis. It refers to our deport deportment. Well, here's the point that you, you have in the passage here. The way we live is to conform to the change that the Lord has made in us. Think about that. The way we live on a daily basis is to conform to the change the Lord has made in us. In other words, you and I then need to put forth the effort to change according to the change God has made. In other words, you and I need to conform ourselves to Christ in the Bible is what you and I need to do. We do not need to live like we are lost any further. There, there's a change in us, and therefore, we need to live out that change. Now, I know a lot of people today say, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to make the change in me. Well, the Lord's already made the change. It's time for you and I to start trying to align up with it. Amen? Yes, amen. That's what you and I need to do. And that's what he's talking about in verses 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Look at verse 17. Notice what he says here. He's talking, he said, this I say for, uh, excuse me, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He said, you and I do not need to live like the other Gentiles live. He's talking to a, a people in a Gentile, partially Jewish, partially Gentile church. And he's saying, hey, you do not need to live like these other Gentiles that are not saved live. There is a difference in you. You don't need to do that. You notice he uses that little phrase, the futility of the mind. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about having a mindset that, that is filled with things that are really worthless or lead to nothing. That's what he's talking about here. He said, and, and by the way, how many people today are living for things that really don't amount to anything? He said, you don't need to live like that. Verse 18. He said, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You know what that is? That is a description of a person who doesn't know Christ. And he says, you and I do not need to live like that. Notice he's talking about they're in spiritual darkness. And folks, just think about that. Before you got saved, you had no spiritual capacity in you, did you? No, you were in spiritual darkness. And then he said, alienated from the life of God. You know, think about this. One of the things that you and I need to understand is before you're saved, you and I were separated from God. Why? Because sin separates from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, and Romans 3, 23, and, 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 and you look at that in 1 John chapter 1, you look how sin alienates or separates us from God. That's why we need a Savior. Because as sinners, we are separated from God, and the only way to get back to God is through Jesus Christ. That's it. But see, a lost person is alienated or estranged from God. And then he's talking about the blindness that's in their heart, the blindness. You know, when I see the word blindness there, what I think about is 2 Corinthians 4, 4, how, how the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the eyes of the lost, lest they should hear the gospel or see the gospel, the truth of Christ. 
But the idea of blindness there is more than just not being able to see. It's hardness. It's callousness. And, and the idea literally there of the callous is like when a bone is fractured and it, then it's reset. It gets a callus over it that is harder than the bone itself. And, and the sad part about it is before you and I were lost, we were being becoming more callous to sin and things of that nature and to the things of God. Verse 19, notice what he said. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You know what he's talking about there? He's still talking about the unsaved person. Lasciviousness there has the idea of moral degradation, licentiousness. Uncleanness has the idea of impurity, greediness, desire for more, even if you have to hurt others to do it. But then look at verses 20 and 21. Notice what he says. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. He said, since you have been saved, you have gotten that new life, and now you're learning of Jesus. So what you need to do is put off the old life and put on the new. Not live like the lost, but live like a person that has been saved and follow the ways of Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do. I, you know, as I thought about this, i got to tell you right here. I, as I thought about this, I thought about an old children's song. Now, it, it, some of you that know me know once in a while I'll get a little silly and I'll sing a children's song. I don't know how many of you have heard of, of the song, The Old Robe. Anyhow, The Old Robe, it goes, uh, The best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new. Now, if you know the verse to that, says the old robe was dirty, all tattered and torn. The new robe was spotless, had never been worn. Oh, the best thing in my life I ever did do was to take off the old robe and put on the new. Hey, the day I got saved, I took off the old robe and put on the new. Now, you know what? Now that I've been saved, I need to take off the old robe of, of living like an unsaved person and put on the new robe of Christ and live the way Jesus Christ wants me to live. And that's what he's talking about here. Look at verses 23 and 24. Let's read on past where we read earlier. And notice what he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, the new man talks about the new life that you and I have in Jesus Christ. We've been saved. The day you got born again, the day you got saved, you got a new life. And now what you need to do is since you've got that new life, you need to put on the new life. You need to start living according to that new life. And you know what he does? He starts telling you about it in verses 30 uh, and verses 25 and following. But you know, before we get into that, let me insert something right here. Let me just throw something out. A while back, I read a poll. And in that poll, it talked about sin issues of lost people and people who claim to be Christians or said they were Christians. A poll. And you know what it said? In that poll, it found that the sin issues among lost people and people who claim to be Christians were almost similar. In other words, as many people as had sin problems that were lost, almost the same exact number had sin issues that claimed to be saved. And in one case, it was higher. And I read that and I said, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that picture where lost people having sin issues and Christians having sin issues is almost the same. You say, what's wrong with that, Brother Scott? It shouldn't be that way. Christians shouldn't be having those same sin issues. You say, wait a minute, Brother Scott, when I got saved, I'm still a sinner. Yes, you are. 
I'm still in the flesh. Yes, you are. But folks, when you get saved, there's a change in you, and you and I ought to be working to turn away from sin. You, ought to, you and I ought to be working to live righteously and to live the life God wants us to live. You say, well, so what's wrong? What's the problem today that Christians are living just like the unsaved? Well, here's what I think. And I wrote this down. I think there are several things that are possibilities. Number one, some people who claim to be Christians are really not Christians. Some people claim to be Christians really not Christians. You know, over the years, I, I'm a pastor, and over the years I give invitations to the end of the service. I've seen people come forward to get saved and members of church for years. They thought they were Christian. They weren't. You know, so uh, it, it's possible that some people who claim to be Christians really aren't. And then what about those, number two, I put down, what about those who are religious but lost? You know, a lot of people today, they have religion, but they really don't know about Bible salvation. And then I put down a third thing. What about people that haven't grown? I thought about the church at Corinth there. How those people there at the church at Corinth, you look at that church there and you see that church and they still had sin problems. Why? They were still babes. They were carnal, the Bible says. They had not grown in their faith. And then I put down number four, why do people have sin problems? They've never been taught. I wonder how many people have actually been taught the truth of Ephesians chapter four, that you are changed and now you need to change. Did you catch that? You have been saved. You've A change has been wrought in you. And so now you need to put that change into practice in your daily life. And then I put down a fifth thing. Some people have been entrapped by sin. Yes, some people, they are saved. They're good. God is uh, saved. They've been living, trying to live right, but then something happens. They get entrapped by sin. That happens to anybody. Or excuse me, that can happen to anybody. And so I'm not trying to be ugly with that, but I'm just trying to say when you read a poll that says, hey, Christians living just like the lost, guess what? There's a problem there. There's a problem there. And you and I should not fall into that. So you and I need to understand, you're saved. There's been a change. Now live the change. Now, verses 25 through following, excuse me, 25 and following, we see the change that should take place. Let's read through it real quick. Read through it. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting, excuse me, I'll move my Bible marker out of the way. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know what he's saying? Stop lying. Lord, when you get saved, if you were a liar, you know what you're supposed to do? Quit lying. Quit lying. Why? We're members one of another. You, now, and when I think about that real quick, and I didn't mean to spend all this much time here, but I got to thinking about this. You know, the Bible talks about our, 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 the, the body of Christ is like a human body. We've got a hand, we've got an arm, we've got a for, uh, forearm, we've got the elbow, we've got the shoulder, we've got eyes, nose, ears. It'd be like the hand looking at the face and saying, you're a liar. You know, you say, bro, Scott, that is so silly. Yes, that is. But that's kind of the idea here. We're members one of another. We're not to lie to one another. We're not to lie to anybody. So notice what he said. He said, put in away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Look at verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, how many people that claim to be Christians, something happens and they go, boo, they explode in a moment's notice. They have an anger problem. Hey, folks, you got an anger problem. You need to get it right. You need to get it right. I mean, deal with your anger. I mean, but he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, don't let the, the sun go down. If you're angry about something, get it taken care of before the sun goes down. You don't need to hang on to it. Why? Look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. You know what? I, I think it's amazing that that verse about the devil follows anger. Because when you don't get that anger taken care of, what you're doing is you're letting the devil have a foothold. You're letting the devil have an entrance in. And he's saying, don't give the devil an entrance into your life. Love it. 
Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. In other words, if you were a thief, guess what you need to start doing when you get saved? Quit stealing. And that includes on your taxes. But anyhow, let, uh, somebody's going to say, Preacher, you've stopped preaching and gone to meddling. I'm just trying to get basic Christian living in. Let him that stole no uh, steal, uh, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working in his hands the thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth. In other words, uh, you need to get a job and work for what you got. Look at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, you and I do not need to be have ugly things come out of our mouth, corrupt communication. This could go, I think, when I think about this, I think about the foul mouth person. I also think about the person that belittles people or the person that bullies people. That shouldn't go on and all. We ought to treat people with respect and work to edify or build people up. I know sometimes we want to call people stupid or ignorant or things like that. No, what we ought to be doing is doing our best to build others up and help others. Should we not? Yes! That's what he's talking about here. Edification. Verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. In other words, you and I ought to move at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I read that verse there, I think about the Welsh Revival, and, and one of the points of the Welsh Revival, one of the four points of the Welsh Revival is when the Holy Spirit brings something to your mind and you need to deal with it, deal with it right then. Folks, you and I don't need to put the Holy Spirit off or grieve Him through what comes out of our mouth. Look at what he said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger. You know, the wrath there is that explosion. The anger is that you hold on to. And clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put those things away. You and I ought to turn away from bitter spirits and make sure our spirit is right. But then look at verse 32. He talks about the three things a Christian should be. Three things a Christian should be. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Boy, I love that last part, but there are three things here. Three things. Number one, you and I are to be kind to each other. We're to be kind to one another. I love that. Be kind. Then number two, we need to be compassionate. Tender-hearted there, I think, is the idea of compassion. You and I need to show compassion on others. And then number three, forgiving one another. We need to be people of forgiveness. In other words, we shouldn't hold things against people. We ought to forgive people. When people come to us and say, listen, I blew it. Forgive me. You know what we need to do? Forgive them. Forgive them. Why? Even as the Lord has forgiven us. Isn't that amazing? Even as the Lord has forgiven us. Now, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Let me sum this up. Number one, are you saved? Can you say, yes, Brother Scott, I know I'm saved. Can you say that for sure? Can you say, yes, Brother Scott, there's been a time in my life when the Spirit of God brought conviction to my heart, showed me my need of Christ, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Can you say that? Can you say you have been born again? If not, you can be. You need to admit your sinfulness, admit you need Jesus Christ, acknowledge that you cannot save yourself, acknowledge you stand under God's wrath, and that Jesus went to the cross for you. Number two, you need to believe on Jesus. Believe that He died for you, that He was the Son of God who went to the cross, who died for you, was buried, rose again the third day. Believe on Him. And then number four, number three, call out to Him for salvation. Call out with a repentant heart and by faith. And you know what? He'll save you. So number one, though, we got to ask the question, are you saved? Number two, this. If you are saved, you are a new person in Christ. You need to realize that. You need to understand it. You need to accept that. The day you got saved, you become a new person. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Did you catch that? A new creature. 
You've got a new man, your new life in Jesus Christ. You are now a child of God, my friends. Understand that point. You're a new person in Christ. But then number three, so number one, if you've got to ask, are you saved? Number two, you need to realize if you are saved, you are a new person in Christ. But then number three, you need to put on the new life of Jesus Christ. In other words, yes, you've been saved. Yes, you have a new life. But now you need to put on that new life. In other words, you need to start living according to the principles and guidelines of Jesus Christ and His Word. Put on that life. Live according or align with the teachings of the Bible. You say, well, where do I start, Brother Scott? Where do I start living according to the teachings and principles of Christ? Two areas. Number one, read the Gospels and read what Jesus said in the Gospels. But then number two, look at Ephesians 4, verses 17 and following. I would encourage you. One of the things I did recently is I finally found a new Bible that I like. And one of the things I like about it is what I've been doing is I've been reading is it's got references in the middle, and, and, and I love the references. Some of the words maybe that miss my attention or that I, I'm not used to or something like that, or just to make sure I understand, it has numbers in the text. And over to the side, it has tells me another idea of the word. Helps me understand it. My friend, get into the Bible and study the Bible, Ephesians, especially here in Ephesians 4, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you need to live for Jesus Christ. My friend, you're saved. If you're saved, you're a new person in Christ. Now it's time to start living it. We've got many people today that run around claiming to be Christians that live like the devil. It's time that Christians started living like Christians. Remember, the word Christian originally given in the book of Acts was given to a group of people who were disciples of Jesus. And as disciples, they were followers of Christ and they were different. Is there a difference in us than the lost? There should be. And that's when we start living the life God wants us to live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray the Holy Spirit would just work today. Take the message this morning and touch hearts. Meet every need. And Father, I pray that you would just glorify your name today for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Glad you joined us.